We're starting, we've been all those weeks in, in Zechariah, and we've now got to the end of that. We're starting a new series uh, in John's Gospel today, and uh, seven of those sermons are going to be on the I Am statements of Jesus, which uh, allow us really, as I, I put a little clip up on Facebook earlier in the week, and it was just to remind us that what Jesus does in each of these I Am statements is that he presents a picture where he compares him to something practical, something real, as it were, in that sense, something that you can see and touch. And it's building up a, a sense of who Jesus is. And we put all of these pictures together. It gives us a, a better oversight of who Jesus really is. So Jesus, and the way that we have described this sermon series, is that Jesus is explaining himself to us. So there are seven of these I Am statements. Outside Children's Day, I've got eight Sundays between now. So I thought I would introduce today the, the sermon series with uh, uh, another passage from, from John's Gospel where Jesus is inviting us uh, to come and see and to learn a little bit more. So that's John chapter 1. Uh, Tom's going to, to read that passage. Yes, so we're going to be reading from John chapter 1 uh, from verse 35 um, to 51. That's John chapter 1, verse 35. Uh, it's found on the Pew Bibles in 1064. If you're looking on your mobile phone, just uh, search it up and you'll find it. Um, this is God's word, John chapter 1. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me, Philip like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree you will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And we thank God 
for his word. Communicating with people isn't always uh, as easy as we might desire at, at times. And sometimes in our, in our best efforts, something falls short. Uh, sometimes something we say is lost in translation. Uh, literally, that happened a number of years ago to um, Pepsi-Cola. Uh, they had a big advertising campaign worldwide. Uh, the, the, the image that they had been using worldwide uh, at that time was, was this one, is that Pepsi makes you come alive. And they were really wanting to expand into the Chinese market at the time, uh, which they thought was really about to, to really explode. And they, they launched the, the advertising campaign, but they were aghast uh, whenever that advertising campaign had run its course to find out that the opposite had happened and that sales of Pepsi were at an all-time low in China. And again, the reason came down to translation because when they literally did the, the translation, Pepsi comes alive into Chinese, this is how it would have been, this is how it would have read if you were Chinese. <laughs> and that Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the dead. And I wouldn't imagine too many people would have a, a, a or at least be relishing the thought of their ancestors coming back from the dead to share a, a Pepsi with them. Uh, so something can be lost in translation. Now, as we turn to the Bible, the Bible, as we understand, that tells us about Jesus, it tells us who he was, it tells us what he came to do. It's got this big picture. Over the next number of weeks, we'll be allowing Jesus to explain himself a little bit more fully to us. And that's one big picture that is, that, that is added to. But what I find about Jesus is that even though Jesus does and always has wanted to bring people to that point of ultimate decision. You know, because realistically, the decision that you will make to choose to follow Jesus will be the most important decision that you will ever face. I mean, literally, this is the life or death issue. It's a heaven and hell perspective. So, so I mean, there is nothing that is more important than this decision that you will make, that you will decide that I need to follow Jesus. But even though that is so important, and it's something that we need to do individually, it's something that you need to do, it's something that people have always needed to do, when we actually read the, the pages of the, the Bible, what I find is that still Jesus didn't rush people, is that Jesus still gave people the space. Jesus wanted these people to understand him fully, and he allowed them the time to, to rationalize that, as it were. Now, we might wonder what it would have been like for those early dis disciples, those early followers of Jesus, those people who saw Jesus face to face, those people who would have been at the sidelines as Jesus was performing a miracle, whether that was turning bread um, and multiplying that, that, that bread and the loaves and the fish and feeding all those people, or whether you could have been witnessing um, some of the, the healing miracles that Jesus had done, just to be there and to see, see that happening in front of your eyes, or also to be able to listen 
to Jesus as Jesus was speaking and to hear some of his words, not only challenging other people, but speaking directly to you so that you were or would have been astounded at at what you heard. And when we read the Bible, what we find is that some people got it straight away. They understood it. It meant something to them. But for other people, it took a long time. For instance, Jesus' own family, you know, his brothers and sisters that are are mentioned in the Bible. I mean, his own brother, his own brothers are described off as, as not believing in him at an early point. And it wasn't until after his death and resurrection, that they got it and they started to follow him. His brother James became the leader of the church in, in Jerusalem. And so we, we see that he was totally changed, but at the time, he certainly didn't get it. And many of us might be able to, to sympathize with that point where coming to faith for you, for me, may be a bit like a eureka moment where suddenly you get it, you weren't expecting to get it, but suddenly everything just seems to fit into place and you can say is that I get Jesus. I, I, I understood it beforehand. I, I just couldn't get it. I didn't see what, what other people got out of this. I couldn't understand what the fascination was, but now I just get it. And again, for some of you, it could be that you were ready for that. You were exploring a little bit more, you were reading a little bit more, you were wondering, you were asking questions, and for some of you, you were in no ways ready for that. You were just unprepared. It was a shock to you. You know the way like fake Amazon phone you at four o'clock in the morning, and your phone rings, and you're suddenly awake? Or, and this is for the parents out there, you know that creepy child who stands at the edge of your bed at four o'clock in the morning and doesn't say anything to you, but just stays there and says, I wanted you, but I didn't want to wake you up. But the shock through the bleary eyes and you suddenly, you're, you're suddenly alert. Uh, sometimes coming, coming to faith can be a bit of a shock and, and the last of the unexpected thing that you ever really wanted. So as we come to this passage this morning, and I encourage you to open your Bibles at John chapter 1, because we're, we are going to look extensively at the, the verses that, that are here. And as we come to this passage to maybe question immediately, has Jesus got your attention today? Has Jesus uh, got you so that you're in that place where you're really listening to him? Are you aware that Jesus, through the, the events, circumstances, situation of your life, that you've got to a place where you... Ha- are just really sensing this is not just normal and that Jesus is speaking to you. It might be for some of us coming to that place of initial deciding to follow Jesus. Or it may be that you've been following Jesus for quite some time, but you sense that Jesus is is maybe asking you to do something new, taking you in a new direction, and you've been hesitating, you've been deliberating about that, and it's just now that you're ready for, for that. And that's over the next number of weeks, what we're going to be thinking as Jesus explains himself to us and inviting you to discover Jesus. So today, the phrase that I'm really wanting you to look at is um, this little one which says, come and see. And what does the phrase come and see actually mean? 
And I think one aspect of what we're meant to see in this little phrase is that Jesus is giving people space and time to think it through and that you need to be ready to think it through, to be ready to think through who Jesus actually is and what he came to do. Um, But even before we get there, uh, the way that, note, and don't allow yourself to get confused here when I talk about John the Gospel writer and John the Baptist, those are two different people, but John the Gospel writer heads this up for us when he is talking about John the Baptist in the early sections of his gospel here. And five or six times he he talks about John saying things. So before John says things, sometimes it is just translated, like in verse 36, it says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there's Jesus, there's there's the Lamb of God, there he is. But other times it's like in verse 32 where it says, then John gave this testimony. And it's it's more than just saying something, but rather it's it's got this idea that John John the Baptist is saying, this is true, I have seen this, I understand this, and because I get this, I want to share this with other people. And it's like, I, I know that Jesus is alive. I know that Jesus has been, has, um, is true and that he is the Messiah and I want you to get it. And the other gospel writers, the other writers of, of the Bible are saying the same thing time and time again. This is true. This stuff that you're reading in these pages, we're putting down for you. It's down there because Jesus is real. It's down there because Jesus is truth. It's down there because Jesus did live. He did die. He did rise from the dead. But that little phrase, come and see, it's, it's there as an invitation because sometimes, for some of us, it takes a little while to think it through. We just need that little bit of space. And that's like the two disciples that we meet in verse 37. And it says that these two disciples heard, him say, heard John say this, and they followed Jesus. And if you look at Jesus' reaction to them, um, he then says, uh, what do you want? Because into verse 38, and uh, their reply, as you re- it's a bit cryptic in some ways, but what they're getting at is we want to know a little bit more. We need a little bit of space. We need to think this through. Now, Jesus could have answered, I think, very brusquely, in, in that moment, he could have said something along the lines of, look, guys, I've been around here. I've been speaking. I've been doing stuff. Uh, you've seen enough. Make your mind up now. Today's the day that you need to do it. Just, just get on with it. But that's not what Jesus, or how Jesus answers. Because if you look at verse 39, what Jesus actually says is, come and you will see. And it's the same with Philip and Nathaniel. Philip comes up to his brother Nathaniel and uh, he says, you know, we've found the Messiah, verse 45. And Nathaniel answers him and he says, look, that can't be the case. You've, I mean, he, he can't be in Nazareth because I know my Bible. The Messiah is to come from Bethlehem, so it cannot be this guy. But look at Philip's answer, which is again in, in verse 46. Philip just says, come and see. So these are challenges, I think, to think it through. Give yourself time to to just do that. And don't be too hard on yourself. 
if you need time to think it through because Jesus will give you the time as you've been weighing up what it means to follow Jesus. Either, as I was saying a few moments ago, to make that first step of commitment that you know you, or you're beginning to say that you need to decide definitively to follow Jesus for the first time. And many people in here would love to encourage you and to encourage you to do that. That's today, today to do that. Yeah, that's great. But some of us need a little bit of time. Or it may be that you just sense that God has been speaking to you about something new, something different, and you're hesitant. Yeah, don't be too hard on yourself. You do need time to think it through. But as we think it through, the reality is, as we look at this Bible and what's in front of us, because to enable us to think it through and make a decision about Jesus, we're going to do that, obviously, on the basis of what is written in these pages. The Bible is what is going to enable us to make a final decision about that. And understanding that the Bible writers have been telling us this is true, this happened, this is real, Jesus is real. And we see it and we want you to see it. You have to come to the decision, to that final point, where you will either say what you're reading here is fraudulent lies, it's a nonsense, or else these are words filled with the Holy Spirit and on fire. And that's calling you to make that decision. I mean, it was C.S. Lewis 70 years ago who asked the question in one of his books, what are we to make of Jesus Christ? And actually he answered that question by saying that's a dumb question. It's a stupid question. Because the better question to ask is what is Jesus Christ to make of you? And that's why come and see isn't only inviting you to think it through, although you've got space to do that, but also come and see means to, if you flick that on, Peter, for me, uh, be ready for change. So you don't have all the time just to sit there thinking, but the Bible, Jesus, does call you out to make that change. It will impact your life. And as John writes his gospel here, he emphasizes that because when he begins writing about John the Baptist in verse 29 and saying, look, there he is. There's Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. He's the one who will take away the sins of the world. It's not until verse 35 that we actually find people beginning to follow Jesus. And that time lag is there to show that a change has happened and that this change has happened in the lives of these people. And these people are in, as it were, a new relationship with Jesus. Now, any relationship that you enter into is going to change you. If it, you know, if you're not changed by virtue of being in a relationship with someone, you're not human or you're only thinking about yourself. I mean, think about the times before you were married. I mean, before you were married, you could do whatever you wanted without reference to anybody else. You could jump out of bed first thing in the morning and just go out, and you could go out and get your pint of milk. But when you're married, normally, if you're normal, you will say 
to the person beside you, I'm just a way out to buy a pint of milk. But before you were married, you didn't need to have any reference to anybody else. You could just get up and do whatever it was that you liked. And any relationship that you have, doesn't need to be marriage, will, will bring change into your life. And because any connection that you have with someone else has the possibility of contradicting you or challenging you, being truthful with you. I mean, it does take the courage of a friend to say, you know, that tie just doesn't go with that jacket. Or you think that hairstyle, you think you rock it? No, you certainly don't. And, and you need to get that cut. It takes courage to, to tell people those things. But we don't like being contradicted because it challenges us. But the Bible, when we're in a relationship with God and God speaks to us through his word, it will challenge us and we need to be ready for that. And if we don't change, it's because you're not listening to Jesus. You're only ever listening to yourself. So come and see, I think, it does invite you to think it through, who Jesus is, but it does encourage you to um, come to this point that you're ready for change, but there's more to it than that because my final and my third point is that we need to be ready for a surprise because Jesus always gives us more than we're ready for. And it's at this point I want to go back to Nathaniel. Uh, you'll notice Nathaniel in verse 46 when he hears from Philip um, about where he's found the Messiah and his reaction is, Nazareth? Can anything good ever come from Nazareth? Because back in Jesus' day, everyone from Jerusalem looked down on Galilee. And that's a sort of a, that's a, a human trait that you always want to find someone that you can look down on so you can feel better about yourself. And the people from Galilee, well, they needed to feel good about themselves, so they had to find somewhere else that they could point the finger at. And uh, if, like Nathaniel, you're from Galilee, you want to find somewhere that you think is worse than where you're from. So for them, it was Nazareth. Nazareth was the bottom of the pile, as it were, um, without reference and without uh, insulting anybody here. It's the way Northern Irish people think about Larne or Lurgan. Okay. So if that offends you, I'm sorry about it. I'm just re sort of responding to what I, I hear and I read. Um, now, Nathaniel in this situation certainly wasn't expecting anything from Jesus. Uh, and when he says Nazareth, he's doing what he's skeptical and he's doing the eye-rolling thing. And if you're a parent of a teenager, you will know what the eye-rolling thing is. But I want you to look at actually what happens because even though he's skeptical, even though he thinks that Philip is talking out the back of his head, look at verse 47. And verse 47 says, now, now Jesus saw Nathanael approaching. In other words, Nathanael still got up and went. And he went to have a look and he went to have a hear and to see what he would see. And the reality is that even for people, maybe you too, been a bit full of bluster and you say you don't want anything to do with Jesus and you actually make it hard for people who follow Jesus and you're quite clear that you want nothing to do with Jesus and yet despite yourself you have come to faith 
And so the encouragement, as we, we see in this passage, is that even though you might know someone who's putting all the bluster up and they want nothing to do with Jesus and they want nothing to do with following him, look what happened. He still got up and he went. So ask people, speak to people about Jesus. But what gets me in this interaction with Nathaniel is another question, and it's in verse 48. Because as Nathaniel comes to Jesus, Jesus says something to him, first of all in verse 47. It's that famous verse, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, or in the older versions, in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel's reaction to this is, how do you know me? And what he's saying by that, he says, how can you possibly say that? Because you do not know me. I've never met you before. How can you possibly say what you are saying about me, that I'm an upright, decent person, because you do not know me. But what Jesus goes on to say in verse 48 blows Nathaniel's mind because Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now we have no idea what that was about, but what we do know is whatever Nathaniel was doing at that point, it was so significant for him that it did blow his mind about who Jesus was because look at his response in verse 49. His immediate response is then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And even though Nathaniel had come to that realization and who Jesus was and what he had come to be, and he was probably only expecting a little bit his mind was blown even great, in an even greater fashion when Jesus goes on in verses 50 and 51, if we read those verses, where Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now that was even more astounding. That was the fact that he would see heaven open. The fact that, that he would have a sense of this wonderful majesty was way beyond what Nathaniel was ready for. And, and this image that Jesus talks about in verse 51, about heaven's open, the angels of God ascending and descending, well, I can go into this a lot more, but really that's taking you back to Genesis chapter 28 and Jacob there has a dream. If you remember Jacob's dream, he falls asleep and in his dream, he, he sees a ladder and on that ladder there are angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth. And in the Old Testament, angels are this uh, symbol of the presence of God. And what Jesus is then saying as, as we put all of that together is that uh, humans... Uh, human beings, men and women, we can't get to heaven ourselves. Because of sin and rebellion, there's a barrier between us and heaven and we can't get in. We are imperfect and we are barred from heaven. But what Jesus is saying is that I am the ladder that is between earth and heaven. And actually, I have burst through that ceiling. And if you want to get to heaven, if you want to have the certainty of eternal life, you will get that if you are trusting in me and you will see me. I our first reaction when we read sections of the Bible may well be, where do I fit into all of this? And you know, sometimes like Nathaniel here, 
all that we really need to see is we need to see Jesus and to have our minds blown away, our minds expanded because we have a new sense of who Jesus is, even if it is uh, looking at a viaduct where Robert has disappeared to. Can't even remember the name of that place. It sounded like Glenfiddich, but that's whiskey. (laughs) But even if it is going out and seeing a sense of the wonder of creation, and suddenly you see so much more about Jesus. And there are times when Jesus does come to us and he surprises us about himself because we understand a little bit more. And he surprises us because he reminds us that he loves us. And we have experienced that. He reminds us that he has forgiven us and we have experienced that forgiveness. But like Nathaniel here, he reminds us that fundamentally he knows how we tick. He knows what's going on in our lives. He has, as it were, seen us under the fig tree and still he accepts us. And he says, I know you and I know what's going on in your life. And when we have that sense of surprise and just wonder about who Jesus is. What he does, of course, is that he issues that invitation. An invitation to follow. An invitation to come and see. And to be ready, not only to think it through, but to be ready for change and to be ready to be surprised. Let's pray. Father, as we have listened to to your word, your truth, may you bring your, your word to our hearts today. And yes, as we see ourselves and as we reflect, Lord, what we really want to see is we want to see Jesus and to rest in Jesus and to trust Jesus and to come and see And to know that even though the future tomorrow is unknown to us, we can walk into that future with certainty when we are walking into it with Jesus. Father, grant us your blessing. Amen.